0: It's the 11th of August, 1996, and tensions on the divided island of Cyprus have reached fever pitch. Television screens across the country flicker with live images of a violent confrontation between the Greek and Turkish sides in a conflict that's already lasted decades. And it's taking place on a piece of scrubland designed to keep the two peoples apart, The pictures are coming from inside the United Nations buffer zone, known here in Cyprus as the Green Line. The shaky news cameras pick out a man lying in the dirt. He's motionless, yet his attackers are still beating him. A tall man in a UN police uniform forces his way through and pushes the mob back. He checks the beaten man for a pulse, but one of the attackers has returned and hurls a rock at his head. Cyprus has just witnessed a murder live on television. And this is the very soundtrack to that killing. The victim is Tassus Isaac. He was a local man from Paralimni in Cyprus. The UN officer who tries to save him is Garda Frank Flood, a policeman from Kilkenny. I was angry.
1: I was angry. Who do these guys think they are killing this guy for what? For nothing.
0: In the years since, Tassus Isaac has become an iconic figure in the Greek Cypriot cause, his memory venerated by those who want divided Cyprus, reunited. Unbeknownst to Frank Flood, his actions have not been forgotten either.
2: I'll tell you, we never forget, never.
0: Although he has never spoken publicly of the bloody events of that August afternoon, Frank has come back to Cyprus. This is Frank Flood's Return to the Green Line. By 1996, Cyprus had already been a divided island for more than two decades. News reports from the time would often carry explainers like this.
1: I suppose it all goes back to the Turkish invasion of Cyprus in 1974 and ever since then the island has been divided. The southern two-thirds is home to 600,000 uh, Greek Cypriots and uh, the northern third is uh, home to 130,000 Turkish Cypriots and the two communities really have absolutely nothing to do with one another. They're separated by a uh, buffer zone which is patrolled by UN troops um, but there's a lot of resentment
0: Since the early part of the 1990s, the UN mission to Cyprus has included a small, annual deployment of Gardaí. Their job, to keep the peace along the 180 kilometer long buffer zone, or Green Line as it is known in Cyprus, which cuts the entire island from coast to coast.
1: There was an advertisement internally within the guards. I applied, there was a selection process, I was fortunate and I was selected.
0: Frank had spent more than a decade as a Garda in Dublin when he first came to work in Cyprus back in 1995. His wife Helen followed him out a few months later. And after all these years, today they've come back.
1: Obviously I was motivated by the idea of Cyprus being a very sunny island, but maybe with a little bit of work to be done as well. But I arrived in November, and you could, I would phone home every two or three days.
3: You did say to me that there was some families already out yeah. here, and said, "Why don't you just see? Can you take a leave of absence from work and come out and join me?" And um, we organised it then that I would come in February, and of course you took a few days off, and yes. we travelled the island, and it was just wonderful. And coming across these. These magnificent little restaurants along the way. It's literally people had their back gardens opened and they had their clay ovens and they just had a table out in the lawn and the fish literally jumped from the sea into the pan. Well, and
1: wait a second, that might be an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, it, it
3: felt like that and it was just wonderful, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Every relative or every friend who you even said hello to suddenly found an excuse to come to visit. We were almost like a tourist agency at oh, one point.
3: We were, yeah, you were a brilliant tour guide. <laughs>
1: Then the tensions over the course of the year. There was many different uh, issues that had occurred. As you got into July, the tensions started rising. The protests were being planned. Eventually, we arrived at the situation in August that that resulted in the tragedies that happened. The newly appointed Greek Cypriot ambassador to Ireland has condemned the killing of two protesters during
0: violent clashes in Cyprus this week. The ambassador said, "Those tragedies happened in a place called Derynia, and we're on our way there shortly." But right here, in the divided capital of Nicosia, there are monuments to the events, and they're to be found at a place called Ledra Palace, a crossing point on the buffer zone that cuts through the heart of the city.
1: I'll just go straight down here to Ledra Palace. This was always considered to be the the front-line Ledra Palace, and it was a very um, expensive hotel, I suppose, in the past. But now it became a UN... uh, Residency or a place where there was a contingent stationed here. And uh, there's a lot of uh, photographs here that I haven't seen before from the incident. Two large slabs
0: of concrete have stood here for years, and they're covered in blown-up photographs of the day Tassus Isaacs was killed inside the buffer zone. And Frank is face-to-face face with himself.
1: That's me at the background, yes, the blue helmet
0: in a picture, on a wall, in the heart of Nicosia.
1: Wow. This is, what is this, about eight foot by ten foot? There, right in the centre, there's a picture of Tassus Isaac being killed. M- myself in the background. And there's a picture of Lorraine.
0: Lorraine Stack was a a colleague of Frank's in Cyprus, but she prefers to remain private about the events of that day.
1: Here you have a very clear picture of... A large number of civilians, many people beating, and the two crazy Irish police officers in the middle, trying to solve the chaos. But the very fact that this is still here 23 years after the incident, it does bring it home that uh, there's a, it has created a a significant impression or scar on the, the psychic. Wow, I didn't realize this. I had heard about this, but I hadn't actually seen it before.
0: Underneath the photographs, there's a tranche of text explaining the whole tragedy began nine days earlier with, of all things, a motorbike rally which began in Berlin.
1: In August 1996, in order to commemorate the 22nd year of Cyprus being a divided country, over 200 bikers from several European countries had organised the rally from Berlin.
0: The convoy was to cross to Cyprus and Mass in Nicosia, there to violate the buffer zone and enter the self-declared Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus.
1: Simultaneously, around 2,500 members of the right-wing organisation, the Grey Wolves, were planning to travel to the occupied north of Cyprus, Turkey, in order to confront the European and Cypriot bikers.
0: The Grey Wolves, Frank has just mentioned, are a militant Turkish nationalist group, and they'd already arrived from Turkey to confront the bikers. So the Greek Cypriots were going to breach the buffer zone the grey wolves were ready and waiting. There was going to be trouble.
1: Now oh, We're almost there.
0: We drive with Frank 90 minutes east to Darinia, the place where the events of that day unfolded. Waiting for us there is a wiry, dark-haired man in his 50s.
1: Hello, how are you? My name is Frank.
0: Hi. He's cost us Kyriakides, the man who took the photographs we've just seen in Nicosia.
1: Pleased to meet you. Very good to uh, you to take the time to come and meet us here today. Thank you very much.
0: Back on the 11th of August 1996, Costas was working for the Reuters news agency. The day after, his pictures made the international press.
1: You got a woman? Yes. My colleague? Lorraine. She was. And you? Yes. Okay. I was much smaller. (laughs) Seen it. Seen it. Okay. We have the pictures here, evidence. We
0: walk to a vantage point overlooking the very spot where oh, the trouble goodness. unfolded.
1: Oh, look at this. There he is. I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen this, these pictures before. You were taking pictures very quickly, it seems. Yes, every half second. Every half second, second, yeah. half second yeah. That's Ooh. That's me. Yes, my colleague, Lorraine. These are very good quality pictures they had slingshots they had so much these guys here with the shotguns they were shooting into the air as well and this guy you see this guy he hit me oh that guy still makes me angry even this time (laughs) this guy he hit me this guy all these police officers they hit me (laughs) Uh, and that's Lorraine Mm -hmm. she was so brave that day Yes, you both. Uh, no, she was,
0: she was excellent. I have more
4: pictures of you, of course. Uh, in like
0: the other police on the mission, Frank wore the blue United Nations uniform and helmet, and he was unarmed.
1: I can recall all this area was all burnt off. There was a command post up at this factory up here. There was uh, some Austrian soldiers, and uh, there was barbed wire fences on both sides. Those those uh, houses that you can see there There was large crowds of Turkish Cypriot people there. There was large crowds of uh, Greek Cypriot people on this side here. Somewhere in this area here, there was some motorcycles. You could hear the motorcycles in the background at some point, I I can recall here. There was huge amount of noise. There was shouting. There was everything, shots being fired and uh, people screaming and people, angry people.
0: Remarkably, less than 100 metres away was yet another Irish person. Jean Christou from Lismore in County Waterford had moved to Cyprus a few years
5: earlier. Back then, she was a rookie reporter. I mean, nobody was expecting anything to happen at I and mean, We all went to an area of the Green Line in Nicosia called the Sopaz area uh, because the, the president at the time had called on them you know the, the bikers, not to cause trouble and not to go to like sensitive points along the green line. So when they when they came into Niğcası on their bikes, they headed for this particular area, and it was pretty rough down there as well. Uh, there was some fire set and we were in an area where there was landmines on both sides of the pathway, and the UN were struggling to to keep people out of the buffer zone at that point. And there was a couple of hundred people down there, and then we heard through the grapevine that some of the bikers were heading for Deirinha, my colleague and I. So we just got in the car and just drove down there. It took us about an hour and a half. So we got there just as the trouble was about about to start.
1: Our job was to try and keep people from the buffer zone, to try and make sure that people could not come into contact with each other. But um, there was military hiding. You could see snipers on both sides. You could see further back Uh, that there was some heavy ordnance, mortars and things like that. And the the concern was that this would deteriorate into a shooting war and people would be caught in the centre and so on. And on a couple of occasions, people from this side ran forward to throw stones to bat people on that side over there. So the Greek Cypriots ran forward and the the Turkish Cypriots would throw stones back and they were using these slingshots. And then every so often a soldier would shoot into the air. I can recall on one occasion thinking everything that goes up must come down and at that point when I thought about that a little puff of dust landed beside me and I was very curious about what this puff of dust was and I noticed a 9mm bullet and actually landed beside me so what does go up does come back down again (laughs) and of course Helen was at home watching all this on TV Yeah,
3: it was very scary I I remember ringing um, the station Pila and I think I may, I'm not sure who I talked to maybe Stephen or someone and I said they're firing shots there. I said, and they don't even have bulletproof vests on or anything to protect themselves. And I just wanted to go down there and drag them out of it. And I remember him saying, "Stay put. You're not to get in the car, the jeep, and drive down there." And I was like, you, "You just... I felt so anxious and so scared. But what could I do?"
0: The Greek Cypriot police had allowed hundreds of demonstrators to enter the buffer zone through an unmanned checkpoint. In the distance, Turkish-Cypriot forces had already facilitated almost a 1,000 counter-demonstrators to reach the edge of the buffer zone on their side.
1: There was hundreds, at least hundreds of people. There was no way. I I can recall approaching one particular man, and I said, I was being very, very polite, I said, please leave the buffer zone. And he told me, "Mm, I don't know, you'll probably have to edit this bit, fuck off or I'll cut your head off. And he produced a machete. (laughs) So I decided maybe I shouldn't interfere with this particular guy. (laughs)
0: It's 2.30 in the afternoon, and now hundreds of Greek Cypriots are through the barricades and inside the buffer zone. Some charge the 60 metres or so towards the Turkish side, hurling stones and shouting obscenities. The terror of what happened next was later reported back to UN headquarters
6: in New York. At about 1,600 hours, the Turkish forces allowed the Turkish Cypriot demonstrators to enter the United Nations buffer zone, armed with bats and iron bars. The Turkish Cypriot demonstrators, joined by the Turkish Cypriot police, then proceeded to pursue the Greek Cypriots and mercilessly beat all those who they were able to catch.
0: For the first time that day, the two sides were in direct physical contact. Frank and Lorraine found themselves pushing their way through to where a man was surrounded and being beaten with sticks and bars. So you were just here? You,
1: no, I was there. OK. But I was walking towards the, cl- uh, the, right.
0: the fighting. Costas, the photographer that Frank met earlier and whose photographs detail the violence of that day, he's able to tell Frank who that man was. One person
1: was inside, Zacharias, yes. which you help afterwards. Zacharias. Zacharias, That's yes. his name? Yes, yes, yes. Zacharias. That's Zacharias. I always wondered... And Zacharias helped by you and uh, the other lady.
0: The man whom Costas has just mentioned, Zacharias, well, he's hugely significant to Frank's story because just before anybody died that day, Frank and Lorraine had almost certainly saved this man from a similar fate.
1: I was trying to hold him back. Lorraine was getting him standing up. I think... The Turkish people were so surprised to see the two of us in the middle. They just didn't understand what we were doing because we were wearing the blue helmets and we were wearing the blue shirts and they just didn't know who we were. Uh, when we got him up, and at that point I noticed this second man on the ground, but he had been knocked unconscious. Tassus, they're kicking him on the ground or beating him on the ground. It was... Yes, and the Turkish police officers were just standing around watching, and there were some of them were participating, some of them were also beating. And the soldiers, they were also involved, the Turkish Cypriot soldiers, they were also involved. I rushed forward to try and uh, assist him. I pushed the crowd back. He was on the, uh, unconscious on the ground. I pushed the police officers back, and I pushed that police officer, hit me, and um, I guess what it was, adrenaline. You don't feel... It was very chaotic.
0: At this point, Jean Christou, the
5: Cyprus-based
0: journalist from Waterford, was looking on.
5: Well, we saw people running around everywhere and and there was a lot of dust being kicked up and it was, you know, stones being thrown. And I remember someone being on the ground and people were beating him.
0: Another Irish UN police officer who was close by wrote about the hysteria.
6: Anastasius Isaac was being repeatedly hit with batons and sticks by civilians and Turkish Cypriot police element and Turkish forces. They also kicked him savagely on the ground. I saw police officer Frank Flood go towards this mob. I managed to uh, check his pulse. And as
1: I checked his pulse, that, that man in the grey T-shirt, he, he picked up a boulder. Oh, it was about twice the size of a bowling ball. And he, he brought it right down over my shoulder. I can still see the, the stone coming past me. And I can recall it hitting him uh, towards this part of his head, uh, towards the, the right upper side of his forehead. And I can... The sound. Even among all the noise that was happening that day, the sound it made. Yeah. I didn't actually think about that before now. And, uh, and then uh, Lorraine came, and I initially started to pull him out, but my shoulder was really sore at that stage. But we managed to get all the way back here. We were so high on adrenaline at that time, we could probably have pulled them all the way to...
6: I then observed Sergeant Stack and Police Officer Flood drag Anastasius Isaac to safety. A mob then took him from Sergeant Stack and Police Officer Flood. All this time, the noise level was intense. Missiles were being continually thrown from both sides. Um, Some of the motorcyclists, they wanted to take
1: possession of his body because they wanted to put him onto the jeep and they wanted to bring him to the hospital. I had one arm, Lorraine had the other arm. We were pulling. um, One of the guys grabbed Lorraine by the shoulder and pushed her to one side. But I wasn't so lucky. They he came forward and he just put his two hands on my shoulders and pushed me and it up flat on my earth, And I was bloody annoyed about that. I was thinking, look, I'm trying to help here. Who are you? Who are you? But then afterwards I was thinking the guy it wasn't personal. He just wanted he just wanted to help. It wasn't he wasn't attacking me. He was just trying angry. to Yeah, he was angry, but he was also trying to save Tassus. He was also he thought there was some hope because at that time He, I mean, Tassus looked very seriously injured, but it was possible, quite possible, he was still alive. So to get him to hospital as soon as possible.
0: All of these scenes were captured live on television. Viewers had just witnessed the murder of Tassus Isaac as Frank and his colleague Lorraine tried to save him. Jean Christou had to report on what she was seeing.
5: We'd stationed ourselves at the spot where they brought him to the jeep that brought him to the hospital near the so-called ambulance station although it wasn't really an ambulance and we saw him being put into the vehicle oh, he was on a stretcher and they, they carried him in and i mean it was bloody and beaten you know it was it was pretty horrible and then they came back after about maybe half an hour 45 minutes and we overheard them saying greek we've lost one of ours
0: Tassus Isaac had indeed lost his life. Greek Cypriots wrestled the body from Frank and Lorraine, the only ones to intervene directly in the chaos of the moment.
5: So once they'd said, we've lost one of ours, then it became way bigger news than it was. And then it just went out all over the world. I mean, that, you know, somebody had died. And I mean, it's one of those things where you always remember where you were on that date. Where were you in, in on that date in August 1996? You just can see yourself in that spot and that's where you were and you'll always remember it. One of those who
0: also remembers exactly where she was on the day Tassus Isaac was murdered is Frank's wife Helen. She's never been to the place where Tassus was killed but today she's with Frank at the location and is remembering what she was going through in their apartment a few miles away.
3: Because of everything that happened you had left early in the morning and then as the day unfolded and I could see everything going on TV, but I had no contact with you. Yeah. So I wasn't sure how you were. And, um, before mobile
0: phones. Was, no mobile phones.
3: I was in complete panic.
0: It would be a number of hours before Helen got Frank home.
3: But I do remember you arriving back at the house now. And I remember your shirt was covered in blood yeah, and things. Phones. And I yeah, looked so at so him so and so I remember you just putting your hands up and you're going, I'm OK. This is not yeah. mine. And I was just pure, I must have been just grief stricken standing at the doorstep, just wondering what had gone on and how you were. And oh, it was just terrifying. Yes. Sorry. I was, I was so worried about you.
1: 23 years ago. <sighs> I think I was an incredibly lucky guy. I could have been, yeah. I could have gone the other no. way. But I didn't think about that at the time.
3: I did. I did watching that unfold on TV and how close it came to being you.
0: As Frank was arriving home, Tassus's legacy was already gaining momentum. Somebody had died now, and this was global news...
5: Leaders of both the Greek and Turkish communities in Cyprus have moved to calm ethnic tensions following violence. Next
1: to
0: Cyprus, where a man died in the violent confrontation yesterday between Greek and, and Turkish along. Cypriots...
1: Members of the Garda Shikana, who are on UN duty on the island, were unable to prevent the incursion, although two of them, Sergeant Lorraine Stack and Garda Frank Flood, did their best to save the life of the man who died, Tassos Isak, dragging him back across the buffer zone at great risk to themselves. Chief but
0: as the Queen seeds Quinn, have been sown for uh, Tassos' memory to grow to what would become heroic status among Greek Cypriots, Frank was also now inextricably linked to this event. He and his colleague had shown extraordinary courage. Even a UN
6: report made reference to it. The United Nations Forces in Cyprus investigation revealed conclusively that the killing of Anastasios Isaac had occurred some 50 metres from the scene shown on television, in which three Greek Cypriots were being severely beaten by Turkish Cypriot demonstrators, Two United Nations forces in Cyprus, Irish civilian police, had done their best in trying to rescue Anastasios Isaac at considerable personal risk.
0: One of the reasons Frank has returned to Cyprus with his wife Helen is to find out more about the aftermath of that day in 1996. Frank's about to meet Andreas Kokoros, who was with Tassus inside the buffer zone on the day he was killed.
2: I remember everything. We didn't go together there. We met there, and then we go down, where is the roadblock? Yes. No. Yes. It was already open. Our people opened it, and we get inside. We was about 200 people go there. We had nothing, Uh, rocks or iron or wood, something to fight, something. The Turkish they had. We move left, and just like um, I was doing this, and there was nobody there. From yes. our people, it was me, Tassos, another two guys. They was trying to pass under of the, the barbed wire. Yeah, I so saw him. that Zacharias get hit also, and I remember Frank and uh, late they helped him. And uh, I didn't see when they hit Tassos, you know, because at the same time they hit me also. Probably, I believe after they realized they killed Tassos, they left.
0: They left me there. Yes. The actions of Frank and Lorraine saved others that day, including Zacharias, who Andreas just mentioned. But with the passage of time, Zacharias has passed on. It's only now, 23 years later, that Frank is able to find out a little more about Tassus' life.
1: You knew Tassus before. Yes. You knew what, yes. what kind of person was he? he? Was very nice person, big heart,
2: very big heart. Yeah, he likes motorbike. He wasn't a big. He didn't. Play too much money, you know, gamble. He was playing for fun. He won ten pounds. And he paid twenty to buy us uh, kebabs and cokes. <laughs> he wasn't playing, you know, for to win money or something. Just for fun. Yeah, a very nice guy. Ickhart. And uh, he had a restaurant down to Prodaras, He was working there.
1: And he was married.
2: Yes, he was married. We're His pregnant. wife, uh, she was pregnant when.
0: It, Indeed, Frank had heard that Tassus' wife was expecting a baby at the time of his death.
2: And uh, it happened to me the day that uh, we, the Tassus, uh, we went to the cemetery. One lady, she said to me, why you didn't save him? Well, it was very hard for me, you know. I wish I could save him, you know. You were lucky to save yourself. i am tell you, I would never forget you. You and the Lorraine. Never. I'm telling you, I can bring you my friends, that when I tell the story, I always speak about Frank and Lorraine. I didn't know
1: the name, but I was speaking about those two people. It's 23 years. It's a long time. For me, it's good to come back. It's nice to come back. You're welcome. Um, somebody said to me that I would come back. At the time, I said never, but here I am. Uh, and it's nice. It's good to meet you.
0: Good to meet you too, Frank.
1: I'm glad, really glad.
0: The meeting with Andreas seems somehow cathartic for Frank, if a little surprising, that he is remembered so vividly by so many. But the thing is, Cypriots have more than one reason to remember Frank, because just days later, the unthinkable
1: happened. Then, of course, two days later, Solomon. Solomon was a tragedy.
0: It was Wednesday, the 14th of August, 1996 the day of Tassus Isaac's funeral.
1: We had been incredibly busy for the, the, the number of days before as a result of everything that happened when Tassus was killed, but his funeral, as I understand, took place here and a large crowd, very, very large crowd, a lot of media people had gathered and afterwards they came here to to witness or to, to visit the scene of where he had been killed. The UN had realised the seriousness of the situation and it deployed all the resources it had, but... Uh, On this side here, there was many Greek Cypriot soldiers, and on that side, there was many Turkish Cypriot soldiers and Turkish mainland soldiers as well. And further back, we had, earlier in the day, we had traveled up along the military road here, as it was called, and you could see they had dug new uh, um, trenches and they dug new places for mortars and so on. And at that day, I really thought they were were going to open up with everything they had. I thought, and then when the shooting started here, I I thought we're all dead. We're going to be killed here. It was crazy because we, there was maybe seven or eight, no, maybe 10 guards, and we were in the direct line of fire. And as soon as the shooting started, I can recall shouting at the guys, get down, get down. And as the bullets, you could actually see the little puffs of uh, dust where the bullets were landing all around you. It was a wonder that there was nobody hit. And of course we were wearing our little blue helmets and things like that. And again, our job was to try and keep people out of the buffer zone. But these people didn't want to stay out. They wanted to come in. They were very, very angry people. Um, And I can recall trying to stop a guy. He had a knife, Um, but I couldn't stop that guy.
0: On the Turkish side of the buffer zone flies a Turkish flag. A young man, Solomon Solomu, runs past Frank, intent on only one thing, to honour the memory of Tassos.
1: I can recall speaking very, very briefly to Solomon. And he was, he says, I will go and get the flag. I I can recall saying to him, if you go there, they will kill you. And he says, he said, "Uh, I will die for my country. He climbed the flagpole and they killed him. This is the live video footage
0: of Solomon's killing. He was shot multiple times. A day of grieving for Tassos Isaac had turned into another day of tragedy. A number of Irish Gardaí made their way to the flagpole close to a military post on the Turkish side to retrieve Solomon's body, and Frank was among those who helped carry him back across the buffer zone.
1: A really strange thing about it was after Solomon was killed, then how to recover his body. So all these, these, these soldiers with, with guns on the Turkish Cypriot side there and uh, to try and get permission to go and recover his body. And we all assisted in bringing his body further up here at this side, and we stayed on duty for hours afterwards, but that was, that was more or less the end of that situation. Of course, that murder had to be investigated as well and uh, trying to gather evidence and gather statements and all the various other things. And I was still in agony from my shoulder injury at that time. I I, um, was taking a lot of painkillers.
0: Frank had seen two men killed inside a week. He'd spoken to one of them, tried to save the other and retrieve the bodies of both.
1: I know afterwards I became involved in some other incidents and I know... I took the, um, the opportunity to avail of some education and I went back to university and, and so on. And one of the modules I can recall when I was studying psychology was in relation to post-traumatic stress. And as I was reading down through the, the various different uh, symptoms, I was like, yes, got that one, got that one, got that one. But I know afterwards, yes, it did. There was a lot of sleep those nights, but as time passes, it fades. It gets easier.
0: Three months later, Frank's time in Cyprus came to an end. He moved home. He and Helen became parents, and Frank was made a sergeant. Meanwhile, in Cyprus, the job of bringing the killers to justice was underway. Andreas Spatalos was head of intelligence for the Cypriot police at the time, and he investigated both killings. After the death uh, in the meantime, Andreas tells me that during the investigation into Tassus' killing, he'd learned that the two UN officers who'd intervened that day we Irish. It, it, we was learning that these members were Irish. Yes. Tried to save Isaac. The man you see in the pictures, the tall man mm-hmm. with the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. He is here. Would you like to meet him? He's here now. Uh-huh. I like to see him.
4: <laughs> I didn't see him then. I saw him in the pictures. sorry. Hello. <laughs> Frank. Yeah. Yes, please do meet you. Yes, meet you. You mind if sit beside yes you? of course. After the events we got some photos. Yes. And I saw and uh, the woman trying to save yes. Isaac from the hands of the yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. This mob. there. We issued five international warrant arrests against these persons. Unfortunately, until this time Nobody was arrested. So they are all free. Because they are living in the occupied area. Right. Also, or uh, they travel to Turkey. Okay. But Turkey is not uh, yes, 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 ready to yes, yes. arrest. them. I yeah. understand. Well, I don't
1: understand, but I, I know why and you know why. And uh, I would say, uh, to give you a compliment, you have done everything possible. Mm-hmm. Everything that could be done has been done. You cannot control this process. It's
0: not,
4: it's not possible for us. We, uh, we,
0: we can do nothing, you know, to, to arrest them. We leave the two former police officers to talk over their coffee. We have
1: something in common. Yeah. I have worked in the police force for 31 years, and you mm-hmm. you have worked for how long? I was then, to I was then serving
0: Eventually, an international court found against Turkey in cases brought by the families. Tassos and Solomon had been killed contrary to the European Convention on Human Rights. A generation has grown up since, among them, Tassos Isaac's daughter, born just weeks after his death. She wrote me a polite note to say she was not yet ready to give interviews. But in August, she gave a speech before a gathering to remember Tassos. It was a protest. Anastasia Isaac demanded justice for the father she had never met. Antonis Solomou is the eldest brother of Solomon, the man who was shot dead on the Turkish flagpole. He has a restaurant 20 minutes' drive from Dorinia. It's late at night, and the last of his tourist clientele is leaving. He tells me the beef on his menu is the best. It's Irish. Tassus and Solomon are, he says, the last heroes of Cyprus. There's a framed photograph of his brother on the wall. And I ask him why he thinks Solomon climbed the flagpole all those years ago. And he lights a cigarette and considers his answer.
2: Why do I think he did that? Because he was a youngster and they are passionate. I don't think he ever thought they was going to shoot him. He thought, I will try to get the bloody flag down. He never thought they will shoot him. That's my opinion, anyway. Both of the boys, they are dead. Did something change? Nothing changed.
0: Cyprus, though, has seen some change. Since 2003, a series of crossings have opened along the buffer zone, allowing Cypriots to travel over and back. They're an effort to foster ties, to normalise relations on the island, to bring people together. The newest of them is at Derinia, just metres from where Tassos lost his life and right beside the flagpole where Solomon was shot dead. The checkpoint has been opened for about a year.
1: It's very new. I haven't seen this before. On the left-hand side here, there seems to be some sort of a monument or some sort of shrine to somebody who has been killed, possibly Tassos. This new border
0: crossing at Dorinia is the final stop on our journey with Frank.
1: Um, it looks like perhaps even his picture that's on that monument here on the left-hand side. And that is his name in, in the Greek Tassos Isaac, yes. And the date, 1996, it's there. And there's Solomon Solomon, two crosses for two people who have been killed. We cross through the
0: checkpoint, show our passports and buy mandatory motor insurance at a hatch. We're even given a tourist brochure. And then we pull in at a small car park on the Turkish side of the checkpoint and take out our recording equipment so that Frank can give us a few last thoughts.
1: Everything we're doing at the moment is new. We couldn't have done this back in 1996, so this is all progress in some way. To stand here now and see this progress, it does give me hope and it... uh, it is a sign of improvement, it's, um, it's different, it's definitely, from my point of view it's very unusual to stand here, it's very, I think there's hope, I think that's what I feel at the moment, I, think, I believe that there is hope.
0: What happens next? An inevitable reminder that scars as deep as the ones on this small island take many generations to heal, Hello. and that Cyprus remains a divided land.
4: What are you doing here? We're not doing anything wrong, are we?
0: We've been approached by a Turkish border guard.
4: But I need your
6: passport, please.
0: And now the officer in charge of the checkpoint comes to speak to us.
6: Hello. Hello, my friend. How are you? Well, I had... Better
1: days
2: before oh. um. I'm still not complaining i'm okay. just I'm just wondering what you are doing with this stuff
1: This is the microphone here, and this is the, the
4: okay. no problem yes.
0: okay. I think it's okay I mean uh, we don't have any rule against okay. this kind of activities yes. let's say Frank gets chatting to this perfectly amicable man, and soon the question is asked the question we've just been asking ourselves
1: you have you have hope
0: for me ah,
2: you know I'm Cypriot yes. But I'm a very realist person. So, yeah. this situation will not change. No, because Greeks and Turkish, we have difference. Greek government, they yes. don't accept to share, yes. to use the island with us. Right. That is the main point, okay? I'm not saying because of they're Christian. I don't care, okay? But, I have too many friends there. We're going and coming yes, every day. Yes, yes, But this is
0: the truth. The border guard tells us we can go about our business. And Frank is finally allowed to draw to a close his return to the Green Line.
1: No, the tension was there. We knew the tension was there, but I thought there would be a lot of protesting. I thought there would be a lot of shouting, but not fatalities, not somebody killed. What do I think now? I I guess I could have done more, maybe. But it was so chaotic. It was so, we were so unprepared. I mean, the planning wasn't there. The equipment wasn't there. we were put into this situation we should never have been in but we it had to be done it's um, somebody had to do it there was nobody else 23 years
0: have passed since frank and his guard the colleagues came to cyprus on un peacekeeping duties coming back all these years later has finally allowed frank to make his own peace
1: with the tragedies of august 1996 the entire process for me has been very rewarding process. I have had to revisit or confront some of the demons in my past as a result of this experience and it has been helpful. I've had to re-remember things that I, I deliberately choose to forget. I deliberately close them out of my memory. But uh, from my point of view it's been rewarding to revisit and it's um, it's been educational to understand how this has affected this community, this, this island, this, this society. But here, it's still very much alive. Still very much a a part of their narrative, their their history, their their reality. But uh, for me, I was confronted with the situation. I did what I did. I dealt with it the way I dealt with it. In retrospect, perhaps there's other things I could have done, but sad too. It was just, shouldn't have happened. It just should not have happened.